like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and I'm very excited today. The co-host is Ray Pika. Hello, Ray, and welcome. Hi, Heather. Thanks for asking me to be here. Yeah, what would you like folks to know about you? I'm sure some of them have heard about you and know about you, but what do you want to say to them? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Let's see. I've been around for about 112 years. Hi. Yeah, I've been around a long time. You know, I've been doing this thing for about four decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, not anything I ever expected. You know, when you're a young person looking at your future, you don't see this sort of thing coming up, you know. Um, but I, I did want to be a writer. So that, that part has come true. I've, I've written 20 books, and I just got a contract for my 21st. Oh, wow. I, can't seem to help myself. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, That's yeah, wonderful. Thanks. So I do keynotes and I blog and the occasional YouTube video. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's my life. Great. <laughs> um, well, I, um, I've i read many, a lot of your blog posts and lots of your, um, I think you maybe have had articles in Child Care Exchange and yeah. that, that I've read in the past. Um, I really loved your uh, What Everyone Understood Child Development book from a few years ago. Thank you. I felt like that was a really valuable contribution to to the conversation um, we're having. Thank in our you field. so much. Yeah. Well, the follow-up to that is going to be number 21. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it's going to be with Corwin again and it will be called what if we teach the way children learn oh that's wonderful <laughs> novel idea huh yes <laughs> oh isn't it weird that we have to make and those are such bold statements when they come out they feel like we're being so progressive and well yeah i mean i i i don't want to insult anyone no, with these no. questions you know what if everybody understood child development but um there were so many things not 
Mm, not happening right. Yeah, that's, there that's are not the best English in the world for a writer in early childhood <laughs> education, you know? Well, so. um, you don't get to edit a podcast as much as easily <laughs> as you do a book, I guess. Um, and I think there is a, dis- a disconnect. And I think that's what you're addressing with these um, these books. And your new one, or your, the one that's coming out in October, right, is called Acting yeah. Out, Avoid Behavior Challenges with Active Learning Games and Activities. Yes. Yes, and I never awesome. really thought I would go into the quote-unquote behavior management area of things. Mm-hmm. But um, when I started looking at uh, why there has been more challenging behavior, why I'm hearing so many stories lately of more challenging mm-hmm. behavior from children, uh, I I thought that is my thing. You know, that, <laughs> that I mean, it all connects. because yeah. in a nutshell – we're not letting them be children and we're not letting them move. And so I saw the connection and grabbed hold yeah. of it. So, Yeah. So our um, the quote that we're going to start with today is actually from a blog post that was out a few weeks ago um, that I know was shared a lot on Facebook. I know I saw it in several different different places. Um, the post is called Seven Reasons We're Seeing More Challenging Behavior in Early Childhood Settings. And the quote we want to start with today is, we treat children as though they exist only from the neck up and that only their brains matter when the research shows and good sense validates the importance of the mind-body connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one thing, and this might have just even been like a tagline in an ad I was looking at for the for the acting out book that said movement is not misbehavior. Yeah, someone at Red Leaf came up with that. That's a great line. Yeah, that was really powerful and I, I feel like that's sort of maybe um, where, where you're going with that statement in this blog mm-hmm. post. Yeah, I mean that is a, a big part of it. If we, oh my Heather, where to begin? Um, so <laughs> much cramming into my brain right now but it, you know if yeah. we look at the research and if we look at what we do understand about children and child development then we can avoid a lot of these behavior challenges. I mean why why (laughs) why (laughs) why do we think that the mind and body are separate i mean just because it it, you know the mind-body dualism started i don't know when that philosopher guy descartes was around on earth but he (laughs) said i think therefore i am and Uh that started the idea that the mind and body are separate and it's it's a ridiculous thought to me, and but it, it yeah. took hold, and it's lasted quite a long time. I mean, it sure in does. Eastern cultures, they don't believe that sort of thing. But here in the Western cultures, you know, we, we just seem to think the functions of the brain are so far superior to the functions of the body. And, I mean, school has pretty much always been the idea of it is sitting still and you know, just focusing on from the neck up. Um, But they may have had an excuse for that back in the day. You know, we've all Mm -hmm. seen those photos, right, of the children sitting in neat rows and just behaving Mm -hmm. like little angels and listening to the sage on the stage. However, that was well before we had any research that proved, that showed us how children really learn. Um, We know now that the more senses they use in the learning process, the more information they retain. I think most significantly, we know that sitting makes us tired and reduces our ability to concentrate. Mm -hmm. So 
There's another why question. Why would we want them to sit still? So why are we doing it? Yeah. And that that idea that sitting makes us tired is sort of counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Like, like we would think, but, but if you think about any time you are asked to sit through a meeting or, um, you know, you took a class yourself, um, I definitely can, can relate. Yeah. People would be, uh, you know, surprised at the end of the day, you know, I've been, been on a plane all day. I've been sitting at a meeting all day. Why am I so tired? All I've been doing is sitting. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. the human body wasn't created to sit. It was created to move and Mm -hmm. children, especially, you know, I mean, when I watch them running up a hill that, you know, has me huffing and puffing, just walking up, you know, I, I just so envy all of their energy and their ability to move. And I mean, it's just part of who they are. And we need to value who and what they are, you know, at this stage in their life, instead of trying to turn them into something they're not, you know? Right. And I I think value is an important word in that, um, both in the way you just used it, but also I think this, this dichotomy that we've got between brain learning and moving um, or, you know, is about our values as a culture. Um, We we value what we can get children to do and we value what they can turn into down the road. Mm. And that impacts our practices in ways that maybe are not always um, in line with the research, like you, you know, like you said. Yeah, I never really thought about it before that that saying children are our future. Mm-hmm. Um, but now when I hear it, I kind of cringe. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's so much more than that. I mean, they're 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 our children, mm-hmm. and they're they're perfect the way they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't remember. I wish I could get. Oh, I think it was Erica Christakis. Um, I saw a piece by her recently, and and she talked about taking the child out of childhood, uh-huh. you know. And Bev Boss, God bless her, you know, was always saying we don't have to get them ready to be anything, you know. We don't have to prepare them to be adolescent adults, or you know, we just have to value them mm-hmm. for what they are right yeah. now. And yeah. even if we are in a system, and I know lots of people that I talk to who work with young children are in some side of some sort of a program or a system where they feel like they're they are the adults are only judged by what they can get the children to learn and so they feel this tremendous pressure yeah and and i think that's where a lot of the stress to bring the behaviors under control comes from but in reality if we let them move in the way their bodies are telling them they need to move right then then we could have more success with the other pieces of it Oh, that's so true. That's so true. I mean, the pressure is coming from the policymakers who don't know a bloody thing about children. (laughs) (laughs) You know, child development, educational theory, you know, any of that stuff. They haven't spent hundreds and thousands of hours observing children. And yet they're sitting up there in their ivory tower making decisions, if if you could call Congress (laughs) an ivory tower. Um, (laughs) I think they feel like it is sometimes. I'm sure they do. And then... Um, our director recently told me that, I mean, she got where I was coming from. A lot of the times the pressure comes from administrators, sure. but in this case, it was the administrator saying, my teachers are so wrapped up in having the children do the mm-hmm. sit down and learn thing because of what the parents right. expect. So the policymakers don't know yeah. anything, and the parents are 
are, are misinformed. There's just so much misinformation coming their way, and it's it's right. really sad. And I think the biggest myth that they're faced with um, is earlier is better, right? So there's all this pressure, whether we're talking about academics right. or athletics. You know, we've we've got to get them enrolled in 47 programs by the time they're four months <laughs> right. old. Right, and I, I think <laughs> it know? was Elizabeth Jones who said a long time ago, probably in the 90s, that um, our own advocacy has sort of backfired. Um, and I think what you just mm-hmm. said about this earlier is better mythology might be what she's talking about as we advocate for how important those early years are and all, you know, especially with the new brain science and all we know about that. Yes. Um, and so people without the expertise assume that that means, well, then we should be pushing more earlier I- instead yes, of exactly. what you ask. What if we'd all just understood child development and um, yeah, yeah, taught exactly. the way they learn? I mean, it was... Rob mm-hmm. Reiner and, and that your whole child. period where yeah. there was, yes, yeah, so much information coming out about the the development of brain cells in the first three years of life. And then the media grabs hold of just mm-hmm. some sound bites, right? And, and that's all mm-hmm. we really hear. Oh, my gosh, the first three years of life. And, and if I don't, I mean, of course, parents... Right. are frightened you know, and, they, and, and yes. they want the best for their children. So what if, what if I don't give my child all this enrichment in the first three years of life? She's mm-hmm. going to fall behind and will remain hopelessly behind for the rest of yes. her life. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's terrible. And as far as, <coughs> excuse me, the politicians <laughs> are concerned, uh, uh, you know, like you said, our advocacy. I mean, we were going along pretty much without anyone paying attention to us and things were so much better who knew who knew we should not call attention to ourselves because now now they've got their sights trained on us and it's it is it's it's causing a lot of problems um so i want to i want to circle back for a minute to to go more um and talk a little bit more about uh the behavior guidance piece of this you say in this blog post too and i i assume that maybe also in the the book that's coming out um you know you say we're doing so much we're expecting so much from children that they aren't able developmentally that may that maybe it's not an appropriate expectation so of course they're going to react in a way that looks like defiance (laughs) or that that is their only way of trying to get a little power back in their in their lives and they don't have the words to verbalize yeah. what it is they're feeling and they don't and they don't have the cognitive ability to understand yeah. what they're feeling they just they mm-hmm. just feel frustrated and helpless and hopeless i mean their their teachers you know in the early childhood settings and their and the, their parents the important adults in their lives matter so much to them. Pleasing them means so much to them. So when they can't, um, it becomes mm-hmm. a very, yes. very awful thing, you know. And, and when I think about little boys, um, you know, being asked to sit still, especially, I worry about the little girls too because I think they just become compliant, compliance. and I don't think yes. that's yeah. <laughs> Yes, no. yes. I don't think that's what we want of of the females in our world. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I it's mm. so they're going to act out. You know, if we mm-hmm. taught them in the way that they learn, 
you know, if we understood the research about sitting, and there's a lot of research now about fidgeting um, that shows that they need to move in order to focus, to concentrate on on a, a difficult task. So if we look at children who can sit still through a movie, you know, they're watching The Little Mermaid or something and able to perfectly sit still, we think they should be able to sit still all the time. But right. that's because it doesn't require concentration. If they're working on, you know, thinking hard, they need to move. And one doctor um, who led a study determined that uh, the, you know, movements like fidgeting and spinning in the chair and that sort of thing provide the brain with the same sort of stimulus as, as Ritalin does. And, you know, I would <laughs> right. personally rather right, have them right, exactly. moving yeah. than drugs. <laughs> You're so <laughs> really out me. there. <laughs> You know, I think I think I've told this story on the on the podcast before, but I, I hurt my knee in the spring, and I I'm a I'm a person who sits with my legs crossed all the time, and I would be sitting in meetings and not able to cross my legs because of the injury or not being able to straighten my leg out Ugh. like it needed to be, and that was literally all I could think about, and I I wasn't paying any attention to what anyone yes. was saying in those meetings because I was so preoccupied with how uncomfortable I was and how I couldn't do what my body needed to do and was used to doing and I that gave me a whole different perspective oh, for the whole crisscross applesauce and um yeah, sitting still uh-huh, that's and, where I was going uh, next yeah that's um, where I was going next we really yeah. have to rethink that because when children aren't able to sit crisscross applesauce then they're seen as as mm-hmm. not following the rules mm-hmm. again misbehaving but I would ask you know why are these rules in place yeah. in the first place um because like you, I mean, I couldn't sit in crisscross applesauce for more than 12 seconds, and that would be a record, I think. And I mean, if I'm, even when I'm watching, you know, Downton Abbey or something that's really engaging, that <laughs> I have changed positions uh-huh. on the couch yes. 40 times yeah. by the yeah. end of the show, because I can't, you know, and when the cat comes up to snuggle with me and I have to stay in the same position, oh, I have to work really, really hard. And again, I can't concentrate on the show because I'm thinking, don't yes. really disturb yeah, the cat. And, so, and I think so much of our um, expectation of how children are going to learn we, is based on our own experiences as adults, which, of course, is going to be a, a disconnect because children and adults are different. But yeah. um, And I think, well, we, we've brought up some good authors in this one. Um, but Margie Carter and Deb Curtis a long time ago in Training Teachers, yeah. I think, said something like, just because adults are polite enough to sit still and listen doesn't mean that that's how they learn best mm-hmm. either. But but we've been conditioned right. in that way, and so now we expect that that's what learning looks like. So that's what we want children to be doing to prove that they're learning. Yeah, but I, I think, Heather, it's not just the disconnect between being an adult and remembering what it was like, uh-huh. you know, to be a child. But that's also the, the, the school experience right. that we had was right. sitting still mm-hmm. in those rows, you know. And one of the statements I hate most in the world is it's always oh, been yeah. done that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Just yes. can't stand it. I mean, that is right. not a good excuse for One of for the most anything. dangerous phrases in the world, I think, is uh, yeah, it's always been it that It really way. is. So, yeah. So, yes, the children are, are having play taken away from them. Um, they're not being allowed to learn mm-hmm. in the way they want to. Uh, they're being discouraged from moving. Oh, and, you know, I I wrote another blog post after that one. I I, I just, I almost flipped out 
because I learned that children are falling oh, out of yeah. their seats in school. I read that. I read that, heard post, that. Yeah. I mean, one teacher counted, a first grade teacher counted, and it happened 40 wow. times in a week that children were falling out of their seats because we're not letting them move. They are not developing their proprioceptive and vestibular senses. So they don't know where the heck they are in space, mm -hmm. and they've got no balance. So yeah. plop, over they go. You know, I mean, to me, this is sure. horrifying. Horrifying. We are totally <laughs> making a mess of human development with yeah. the, the choices we're I making. I agree. I think you're right. You and, I, I, and the other thing that I've seen a lot lately is the idea that when we do allow like active big body kind of free play, um, it's yeah. just to work off their energy. Like we we phrase it in such a way that it's <laughs> it's still to our benefit. It's still all framed about how we're going to benefit from it. Oh, good point. And, yeah, and it's really yeah. You know, it's what they need and it's what they deserve, and that should be the reason that we're doing it. Yeah, someone told me recently that a parent told her she, she had or he had punished his son. Mm -hmm. I think it was his son by making him go oh, out God. and play. I mean, the stories I hear just, it's no wonder I have all this white hair, you know? I mean, seriously. Oh, wow. And then we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier is better and our expectations for children being unrealistic. And um, a, a friend of mine who teaches early childhood courses has a lot of students who are already in the field, yeah. teaching in the field. And um, so one of her students very proudly announced that they were teaching three-year-olds a word a week words like hypothesis oh, yeah. because you know hypothesis because that's hypotheses that's are so relevant right, right. but that's in <laughs> every set of early like, learning standards now is that they want they want them to use this scientific language like hypothesis and, yeah oh i'm sorry no. <laughs> i'm sorry it's just not irrelevant and when 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 my friend asked why uh -huh. the young woman said because we have to get them ready to be four. Oh my god ready so, to be four uh-huh so, so there's another mm -hmm. level of, of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the kindergarten teachers are pressuring the preschool teachers yeah. or pressuring the foster teachers, you know, because if they come to them without all these skills already, skills they shouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. have, then, um, then it's trouble for the people below, you know. It's just really yeah. in the earlier grades. Yeah, I yeah, don't think it's, it's uncommon in, like, child care programs for – like the twos teacher to talk to the threes teacher to find out what they want the what the threes teacher wants their kids to be able to do when they move up. And, yeah, and it's it's just it just gets pushed down further and further. Well, yeah, I, you know, I mean, the the University of Virginia study that showed kindergarten is the new first grade, mm -hmm. and and preschool has clearly become the new kindergarten. Yeah. But that's that's you know, that's the whole point. You can't hurry child development. You can't accelerate it. And why on earth do we want yeah. to? They're pretty cool the I way know, they are. Right? We, need to, we need to take our own egos out of it. I think I've definitely been guilty of that myself, making decisions based on how something made me feel about being a teacher or, you know, oh, what, sure. what teaching That's looked human like nature. or what my childhood dreams were of teaching. Yeah, yeah. So we just need to be aware of that and sort of step out of our own ego 
and, and yeah. focus on what children deserve just because they're humans. <laughs> yeah, it's it, they are. And they're, they're not just little humans, right. you know, and they're not uh, adults in the making. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, childhood is such a unique, special, mm-hmm. short phase of life, right. isn't it? Yes, I, I and, think and, it's the, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child that says, yes. that specifically says something like, honoring childhood as a unique por- portion of the life cycle and mm-hmm. worthy of, and, of attention. And guess what country hasn't <laughs> right, signed the that? The only country now. Even yeah. Somalia has signed it now. For heaven's sakes, I just can't stand it. No, you me know, neither. It just, you know, I shake my head a lot. I cry a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> but I'm glad you're out there. I'm glad yeah. you're doing this. Um, I Aww. know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's it's time to, to wrap up the conversation. That went so fast. But I know it you wanted so to talk about some free PDFs that you've got for listeners. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, the book, Acting Out, uh, something about avoiding behavior <laughs> challenges. I don't I've know. <laughs> Acting out, avoid behavior challenges with active learning games and activities. (laughs) Yes. So it's going to be interesting because people love books that tell you how to, you know, Mm -hmm. handle behavior issues. But will they love this one is the question because it's not Mm -hmm. the typical one. It involves um, circle games for building community cooperative games for building pro-social skills, uh, games that teach self-regulation, brain breaks so that they're not sitting still for long periods of time, and relaxation exercises. You know, in addition to tips that I've learned from my mistakes over the many years. Um, But, you know, when we think about it, if we have built community, if we have friendlier feelings toward one another with the cooperative activities, if we know how to relax, you know, the children know how to relax, all those things are going mm-hmm. to prevent right. behavior issues. So that's my little spiel. And yes, mm-hmm. I for your listeners, I'm offering three. I know. <laughs> this is how to say three free <laughs> did <it>. PDFs. <laughs> Thank you. From my YouTube videos um, with games there are games that teach self-regulation circle games for community building and and brain breaks so um several in each of the pdfs and all you've got to do to get them is go to raypika.com r-a-e-p-i-c-a.com slash promo p-r-o-m-o and put your name in Email address in there and a miracle, a miracle occurs. occurs. That's great. That's so. I'm I'm really grateful to you for making that available to people who are listening. Um, that's that's. Oh, sure. I think that you're going to yeah. see a lot of downloads. I hope so. <laughs> a lot of I hope so. Coming in. I mean, good. Good. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. Yeah. I hope the tech works. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, um, and your and your thank books. You, I'm looking sure. forward to this new one that's coming out. Uh, well, by the time this podcast comes out, the book will be out probably in October. Yeah, actually, they're oh, saying September now. Oh, well, then I better now. get it rolling. Um, <laughs> they moved things right okay, along. Okay, so. Well, thank you yeah. again. All right. Thanks, everybody, thank you, for Heather. listening. Come back again for the next episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. Goodbye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.